0: Comics in Motion is thrilled to be partnering with Humble to become Humble Partners. If you follow the link in the show notes, you'll be taken to Humble Bundle, where you can get some access to some amazing stuff. Digital comics, digital books, video games, coding manuals. The amount of stuff that you can get there is obscene. Plus, you get it at a ridiculous discount. So here's what you need to do. Click that link. Go to Humble Bundle. Not only are you going to get great stuff at a great deal, but you're also going to support a charity and you're going to help Comics in Motion keep the lights on. So click the link, go to Humble Bundle, get yourself some amazing stuff. Thanks. Hello, my friends. It is Mike here of the standard Star Wars comics in canon, and I'm introducing for the first time the episode of these Mandalorian specials. Obviously, this is the fourth episode of them, and we are tackling chapter 12. And I am joined by Dave of Comics in Motion, who has been basically
1: spearheading this operation, really. It was your idea, Dave, so thank you for organizing all this and stuff no problem at all mike and and you're like the don corleone of uh the star wars comics in canon aren't you? <laughs> just when you thought you were out we pull you right back in so <laughs> now it's brilliant to get on this chat and really appreciate you you know I, I know you're really really busy so appreciate you can come on and you know give give the listeners some of your knowledge we've loved your little tidbits that we put in there little mike mike's nuggets as i like to uh <laughs> to call them but but now we get the real thing we get your kind of fresh take on the episode as well and before we get into the actual specifics of the the episode so it's episode four isn't it the siege yes. chapter chapter 12 mm-hmm. what have you been making of this whole series too I have been absolutely loving it. Um, I think I got a few
0: people. Uh, one of the things I saw online is basically people didn't like episode two quite as much. I think it was because episode mm-hmm. one started so strong. But I didn't agree with them in a sense. I mean, I think the thing is that series one was obviously a brand new thing, and a lot of people, because of the sequel trilogy, um, obviously the prequel trilogy causing issues, and then the sequel trilogy causing issues, a lot of people are like, "Ah, Styles has lost it." They didn't look at it like. Star Wars is just an intellectual property and different creators can make amazing things within the space of Star Wars, be it books, comics, or whatever. And so a lot of people kind of didn't necessarily pay attention to Mandalorian initially. And then when it got wrapped up with everyone going, oh my God, this is amazing. And people going, what? The new Star Wars? Amazing. And then by the <clears> time <throat> series two came out, like so many more people, like my boss at work, some for all of my friends, lots of people have like been watching Mandalorian that I didn't expect. And I think series one started off amazingly strong, but there was in the middle, there was a bit of a lull. I still really enjoyed it, but there were two or three episodes that were just not quite as, uh, probably story heavy, I'd probably say. They were just kind of like episodic individual, like uh, individual episodes. And series two, obviously episode one was absolutely fantastic. All of us book nerds and things were like, oh my God, Cobb Vanth, you know, he's in it. (laughs) And it's like, anyone who hasn't read the Aftermath books is like, oh. Timothy Olyphant's, where Boba Fett's but that's quite cool, where the rest of us are like, holy shit! Um, just because, like, <laughs> characters that are created in the books, they haven't made it to the big screen before, in that way. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's, it's it's a weird thing um, that a lot of people in the stars community have spoken about, and all the potentials it gives, because a lot of the time, the books, they're not ignored necessarily, but, like, people who write the books, I'll use Claudia Gray as an example, she does a planet in one of her books. And then when she does a book that is set however many decades before or after, she can include mention of that planet in itself because she already knows it exists. But, and a few authors like that may do a bit of cross-pollination in that regard. But, the Star Wars universe, because it's quite in its early days of being the new canon and stuff, not as many uh creative things have been able to connect the, all the dots quite as much and you know, the sequel trilogy was trying to connect uh this new whole chapter and things and obviously it's disjointed directors and whatnot while solo and rogue one you know rogue one did it very well but that's specifically a prequel so it the, the movies are a bit more messy whereas this created by john favreau with dave filoni who has uh, helped create and make uh rebels clone wars and resistance uh the animated shows it as well as all the other individuals who are involved with it they're such massive Star Wars nerds, and you can tell when that you watch any of the episodes that they have got they do huge connections with the story group and what I love about it is that it is accessible enough for people who have only seen the films or even if you haven't really seen the films you don't really need to know the plots that much just vaguely the empire are bad baby yoda's cute obviously he's called the child but that's really all you need to know (laughs) um everything else even things like the force and mandalorian and stuff it it gets spoken to you in a way that if you're a massive star wars buff it's really cool because there's all these little connections and you know bo katan appearing in uh, one of the previous episodes and things like that it is it's really really cool but I love how they've managed to toe the line so well of making it accessible while giving all these nods to nerds. And I think Series 2 has done an even better job of that. I think each episode is strong on its own while connecting to the overarching story and the way they've, they've teased it. Like they haven't, like a lot of people knew that ah- Ahsoka Tano, Bo-Katan and other people I won't name just to, to save if people haven't heard the rumours are going to be in the show. And so when I was watching it and when Megan was watching it, she was like, oh my God, Bo-Katan's in the show because she's seen Rebels and uh, Clone Wars. <laughs> but I already knew because I saw rumors of Katie Sakov is going to be in The Mandalorian and everyone's like, well, she voices Bo-Katan. So, so it, it, it's one of those weird things where I, I really like the fact that they're, they're teasing because they they're, they're doing the plot they're not giving everything up at once that's basically what i'm trying to say you know i think a lot of star wars fans they saw the first episode and went great every single episode is going to be hitting out of the park nine out of ten or ten out of ten amazing perfect and then when the next episode was something a little bit different that i really liked because of its horror elements those spider things were fucking horrendous in a in a really good way (laughs) i feel like it I I like the fact that not every single episode is going to be a link to previous content because, you know, I'm the first one to say when they said Ahsoka Tano on one of the episodes, I was like, Oh my God. But I don't want every episode to just be a throwback to animated series. I want it to be strong enough by itself, and I think that the first half of this season has really shown that you can add that simultaneously. And kudos to John Favreau and all the directors involved; they've done such a good job of connecting it to the wider canon without alienating those who don't know about it. Which, because kind of, obviously, you've been watching a little bit of um, Rebels yourself, so it, it's interesting speaking with you about these things because of certain little connections in that way.
1: Yeah, and and uh, that is a huge understatement. Obviously, I've been binging the crap out of Rebel. <laughs> I don't
0: want to speak for you. you know? <laughs>
1: <laughs> i've almost completed it i only started last week there's four series of it so um yeah but just because i knew there's this wider wider world i had watched uh clone wars the movie um i really didn't get on with it it's, it's not it's great. really terrible it's, yeah. it's very much aimed at kids just skip it anyone who's listening just genuinely skip it <laughs> <laughs> it's, skip most i mean of you've one. got this whole jab of the hook nephew called stinky and that yeah it's just terrible joke so yeah (laughs) but rebels is really really good and so i've been absolutely loving it and i think what this series does it it somehow manages to pay homage to the i mean it's the original star wars isn't it i think it's the original trilogy more than anything else but what I haven't been appreciating, which is what you know, you have, and, and all the other guys who are into all the, the comics and the, the books and everything, is all the other nods, I, I, and the cartoons, obviously, all mm. the other nods to this wider canon that isn't in the movies. And so, I, I've just been impressed with how how the hell have they managed to knit this all together? you know, and please so many people when, let's face it, Rise of Skywalker came out and and th- when that hit the cinemas on the first minute, you're almost thinking this is damage limitation. Mm. You know, th- they just have to figure out a way to piss off the least amount of people, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, to get out with the franchise not in a big steaming uh, ball of flames. Post-prequel. And- <laughs> Yeah, and and I don't think they managed that because what they ended up with was a movie by committee, mm-hmm. you know, and, and just uh, tried to listen to all the feedback from episode eight. And, I, you know, I, I think that was a mess. And so I remember thinking at the time, Disney are going to really struggle to, you know, reinvigorate this franchise. You know, they bought this thing. I'm sure they've made the money several times over, but they're going to want to keep churning the, you know they're going to keep wanting to turn the handle mm. and keep making money out of it and i'm like i've got no idea how they're going to do that and all i say is upstep john Favreau. <laughs> 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 he's he's done an amazing job i mean he's, he's directed um he directed the first episode didn't he which mm. which like we say you know the marshal it, it, it knocked that one out of the park uh, but he's written all four of the the first episodes that have come out in this mm-hmm. series, and Dave Filoni, you mentioned, obviously you know, highly uh, uh, influential with the the rebels and the clones, Clone Wars, and everything. Mm-hmm. Now, the next episode is written and directed by him, Ooh. so I think I know we're in for a biggie next week.
0: Uh, Yeah, it's
1: going to be incredible.
0: It's one of those things, (laughs) I think I've seen a lot that Dave Filoni's been either like a producer or an executive producer. Uh, What it basically is, is that Dave Filoni was like the second George Lucas in a way. So obviously the the original six, excluding Laura's Kazdan, directing the uh, second Empire Strikes Back. And I can't remember who directed the sixth one. So I'm a terrible person for that. But George Lucas, obviously the first six were his baby. And then Disney took over and then he had some points and stuff and he made sure Kathleen Kennedy was involved and whatever but the, as much as I do enjoy uh, the sequel trilogy um, it is a mess uh flatly as an object like i feel like it's objectively it is a mess like not necessarily even story-wise but due to the pacing the feel like episode 8 i really liked but it was it didn't feel the same as what episode 7 was going for and then episode 9 just trying to undo half the stuff episode 8 did it just ugh, it was like two parents like bickering over how to raise a child almost in it and it just did not fit Mandalorian has done the opposite of that. Mandalorian is the cool uncle we can do no wrong. It's like it, it's just <laughs> he, he, the way John Favreau, as you say, has done it, con- connecting with the creators in the right ways, is just him and Felony. Because Felony did Clone Wars. You know, most people say the prequels are shit, but the Clone Wars series is amazing, which I agree with. Bar the movie and the first series of Clone Wars, and. Most people who've seen Rebels, which isn't that many, say Rebels is amazing, which I agree with. Uh, Resistance, not so much, but I won't talk about that too much. But Filoni has a constant. He, he's, there's been multiple interviews and stuff, and he's like really good friends of George Lucas, and he says he sometimes still calls George Lucas to give to ask him information about advice or law so little things like that and i think that this shows that mandalorian is a massive collaborative effort and i think that's what star wars needs i don't think it needs as you say mm. you know with episode 9 it was a committee it wasn't it wasn't 10 people who were so into star wars they couldn't possibly fathom how incredible it was going to be to make it i think there were definitely individuals involved who were like that but jj abrams not to attack the guy but he didn't consult the story group that, uh, that is a, a truth that is known after the fact has come out. The story group said, look, which is the people who connect all that canon connective tissue together. He didn't consult them as much as mm. Ryan Johnson did in episode eight. So was, although episode eight has a lot of flaws in it as well, episode nine, it was just disjointed and certain things didn't add up. And they had to release the book, which to undo all this stuff, Mandalorian didn't do that. You don't have to have all this additional content to make the original things make sense. And that's probably the first in Star Wars since the original trilogy, because I love the prequels, but there are a lot of flaws in the prequels. And I just think Mandalorian is so strong by itself and where it's going projected. If it's even as good as it is now, or as good as series one, just for a couple more seasons, it's going to be amazing. My only qualm, my only hopefully i'm wrong about this is a is a apprehension i have which is what i don't want them to do because there's a rumor of a boba fett series and there's a rumor of another spin-off series coming and this and it's like what i don't want them to do is have the mandalorian just being the jumping off point for every test that that they want to do um which i don't i hope it won't but that that is my one concern i will say about the mandalorian apart from loving it all and being incredibly happy every friday when it comes on um and i will say as well I like the fact that it comes out weekly. I know some people don't. I love that because it means things like this can happen and it means the whole Stars community can watch it week by week. One of the things that I missed, even though I think the last series of Game of Thrones was definitely not great, what I loved about Game of Thrones was everyone who watched it every week was like, cool, what's going to happen next week? Oh my God, let's talk about it. And everyone gets to watch it at the same time. And I feel that a lot of the time now of streaming series, uh, especially when things are released on uh, Netflix or whatever, they do a dump, and it's like, okay, and every single episode's out right now. And it's like, well, everyone watches it in weird different orders. I don't like binging that much, so I won't sit there and watch, you know, The Crown is out recently. I'm not going to sit there and watch like five episodes of The Crown on a Saturday. It's just not really my jam. But if The Crown comes out weekly, I watch it every week, if, if you know what I'm saying. So yeah. I, I like the fact they've done that, and I like the different episodes being different lengths, because I think it shows it's not filler. There's too many shows I've seen before. One of them would be uh, American Horror Story, where they've got 13 Mm -hmm. episodes every season, and every episode is almost an hour long. And I watched the first two seasons of that, and I think it only really had enough content for probably about nine or 10 episodes. And certain episodes, they were like, oh no, we need to fill this out. And if things are airing on TV and whatever, obviously they have to make it a specific length. But because Disney, we've got the freedom to make them, hey, this episode only has 30 minutes of content. So we're not gonna waste time with pointless stuff in that's gonna annoy people. We're gonna have what we need. And that's one of the things I love about it.
1: Yeah, I I, I just think that again, they they've just got so much right. Hmm. They, they just seem to satisfy everyone and including the crowd who are who are saying, Oh, you know, yeah, and I hear this for the Marvel crew as well that you know disney they're just gonna disneyfy everything Mm. you know they're gonna make it all cutesy and whatever and it's almost as if they say oh yeah you think we're gonna do that well i'm gonna give you baby yoda and i'm gonna make you love him
0: (laughs) (laughs) while they're being attacked by giant (laughs) terrifying spider things
1: (laughs) yeah I, i you know there is nothing cuter on tv and i can't get enough of baby yoda and even though i know it's like oh this is all the disney stuff that people have been going on about i shouldn't love this but oh he's just brilliant and and i think you know (laughs) what what a great time to release it just before christmas because i'm sure whatever baby yoda stuff they can manufacture is going to fly off the shelves you know providing we can get in the shops (laughs) 100 percent.
0: yeah i mean it's one of those things it does when people say I'm not saying that you're saying this, but when people go, oh my God, they put the porgs in the last Jedi for, so Disney could sell toys. Oh, baby Yoda, they could sell toys. It's like, okay, here's something that people seemingly can't fathom. Disney are a business first. They (laughs) they make money, but the best way to make money is to release really good stuff, really good content that people like so much. They buy their shit. Okay. Disney, like one of the biggest toy manufacturers in the entire world. Yes, of course they're going to make baby Yoda toys. But hundreds, millions of children and millions of adults are going to want baby Yoda toys, including probably me. Like, it does, you can have it both ways. You can have it that you've got this big evil Faces Corporation. But releasing merch, what people, a lot of people forget about is part of the reason Star Wars had such the success it did when the original trilogy came out is because of the merchandising of it. But George Lucas cleverly uh, basically got a lot of his share from the profits and things through the merchandising side of things. Naming every character, doing all this, doing all that, it creates law within law and it means that kids can have their own imagination and get into with it there's nothing worse like i've had it with bands as an example where you love like more so when i was a teenager and you go oh, i love this band they're incredible what have they got to sell i would you know i want to support them and then you go and they go oh two t-shirts in the web store and they're both wank it's like well I don't- <laughs> you, you lose a little bit in a sense there but if you've got that really cool band t-shirt even if you're not in the band into the band anymore you you kind of still are, and it's just yeah. a yeah. I'm going off on a tangent about merchandising <laughs> now, but
1: you know. It's absolutely right about George Lucas. So, like, I say, you know, you got all these background characters who, you know, if he hadn't got that deal with all of the merchandising, he wouldn't mm. have thought probably to name them. They were just, you know, these weird-looking aliens <laughs> in the background. No, nope, suddenly they're they're someone important with all this backstory and everything. So, mm. yeah, it's absolutely brilliant. Now, Mike, we've got to get into tonight's episode. So, <laughs> I mean, we start off with. The Baby Yoda electrician, mm. and uh, there's a couple of things about this. I, I don't know if you've seen Guardians of the Galaxy Two. There's a whole yes. scene with uh, you know Rocket Raccoon and Groot, and he's he's saying you know push the you know <laughs> push one button and not the other one. Yeah, and I got huge kind of uh, flashbacks of that. And I just think, again, you know, we've talked about satisfying the um, the old Star Wars crowd, you know, giving people something new who've read all the books and everything, satisfying the crowd who say you're going to over disney everything. What this series seems to be doing as well is homaging a lot of the other sci-fi content. Mm. And I couldn't help but think that, that this was not a rip-off of Guardians of the Galaxy 2, but this was another little homage.
0: Mm. I I didn't actually think of that when I saw that, funnily enough, Uh, and I should have done because I do love Guardians of the Galaxy 2, but now that you've said it, I can really see that. So, yeah, I I think I know what you mean, but that that definitely connects with, obviously... uh, I think it was well, – what Scott said? that I think episode I mean, one was
1: Tremors. Episode one was definitely Tremors. And then yeah, two
0: yeah. was definitely like the eggs themselves of those – Alien. Uh, exactly, yep. yeah. Uh, and then, obviously, there's a lot of sci-fi running away from giant creatures and things. And then episode three
1: uh, – I mean, I don't know about that one specifically – I think you had the, the little squid. I mean, that was almost another alien face hugger, wasn't it? You had the squid mm. coming out of the soup on yeah. the Baby Yoda.
0: And there's the monster, I suppose. I mean, you could almost say Jaws in some ways of them being out on the water. And when Mando falls into the, the middle of the boat and that that thing, I think I should have had yep. it written down, but I, no, I don't. Just the monstery thing that was on their boat um, that got them. So there are definitely... That's what I love is homages because things, I mean, it's clever. It's like tapping into your nostalgia. Just go, hey, do you remember this? Yep, here you go.
1: It's like, (laughs) I like that thing. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) And I don't know if you noticed, but um, I mean, Baby Yoda, you know, we'd met Bo Katan. And I I guess you've got this whole thing where, you know, the Mandalorian now, he realizes he's maybe one of these sort of, not separatists, that's probably not the right word, but, you know, not all Mandalorians keep Mm. the helmet on all the time. And I noticed when, you know, after the whole little uh, electrician thing going wrong, Mm. Baby Yoda was trying to look under his helmet as he was just having a sip of his soup there. I mean, what, what can you tell us about from the kind of, other lore about the mandalorians taking their helmets off or or keeping them on to be honest in canon uh
0: there is not anything about Mandalorians keeping their helmets on so for all of us uh canon law junkies th- to my knowledge there wasn't anything huge about it because uh the mandalorian plot lines primarily are in the clone wars um and that's how sort of maul gets involved in some ways as well how he gets kind of back in the story and then in rebels it comes back again and i won't see what happens because obviously you're still <laughs> watching it i try not to spoil uh the series and things but really what it was was that mandalore has had civil wars and wars of everyone for ages they're like a, a it equates a race of warrior people you know you could be born on mandalore and you become mandalorian or you can take the mandalorian creed but before the mandalorian series In canon, there wasn't necessarily mention of the Mandalorian creed. We only knew it as a race. So this aspect of uh, the Mandalorians not taking their helmets off and things, that is something that is new to the canon, at least. I mean, Mm. so it's weird because it was basically just... In in Clone Wars, it's got it gives you history and stuff about the mandalorian had wars of jedi and there, there's like a thousand years ago there was the mandalorian wars against the jedi and the republic and then that happened and then eventually mandalore kind of repaired itself after i think they lost i'm, I'm not percent sure i'm pretty sure they did and then they kind of sort themselves out and then they had a big civil war and then every time they keep getting to the point of okay, maybe we can sort of be self-sufficient and kind of deal with ourselves and things like that. They have another civil war. And that happens again in Clone Wars. And then there's a lot of, in Rebels, that's spoiling it, the Empire is involved. And a lot of Mandalorians are trying to resist the Empire. So that becomes a whole thing. And then where Rebels ends, you don't know what happens between then and the Mandalorian. And Rebels to Mandalorian is about 10 years it's, mm-hmm. nine, it's nine-ish years, but yeah, just say ten freeze. So it's like in that period of time, we don't know what happened to Mandalore or any of the sort of uh, planets connected to Mandalore. And yeah, the, the not taking a helmet off part. The only thing I can say is um, bo Katang calling herself part of The Watch now. Um, mm-hmm. She was in a group called Death Watch, which was a terrorist organization in the Clone Wars um so they were trying to uh basically once again a <laughs> civil war sort of thing going on uh they were basically a terrorist group because the leader of mandalore uh, at the time was trying to be pacifist and they were like mandalorians have always been warrior race we should never be pacifist we should go out and you know people who don't listen to us we should fight them essentially um but that's where she kind of came from but in in the show there was not to my knowledge people basically every major mandalorian character took their helmets off but i don't know if that was more just for people watching to kind of be able to know who they are in a sense but Mm -hmm. yeah in to my knowledge um this is from the mandalorian series one and series two it is the first time we've seen that and i think that once you've watched the end of rebels it alludes to something happening which would potentially explain the splinter groups of the sort of mandalorian i think they're sects or something
1: (laughs) Well, it's funny you mentioned the watch, and we talked about Game of Thrones before as well. So mm. what I'm picking up from Rebels is that, you know, the Mandalorians aren't this one unified, uh, polarised planet or, or race of people. Mm. It, it, it does seem that you've got all these different houses and you've got all these different people, uh, you know, and, and there's all the politics between all of them. Mm. So, um, yeah, I I, I guess we'll find out you know why he doesn't take his helmet off uh but he didn't seem to really have a a clue that he was part of this kind of cult you know who wasn't quite with all the the rest of the mandalorians but um no
0: but it is weird that he was to from what i think i can't remember if this is specific confirmed or if this is more alluded to but in series one when it does the flashbacks and he there's the uh the separatist droids from the prequels you know they start shooting up where he's living in mm-hmm. and, and uh, he hides and you know he gets saved by a mandalorian that mandalorian mm-hmm. i'm 99 percent sure on this is a part of or was a part of death watch specifically which mm-hmm. is quite interesting so it was a part of the air quotes terrorist organization that bogatan was a part of but obviously as is, is people who've seen the Clone Wars will know, even parts of that own Death Watch splinter off within themselves. So I think it's just inherent, as you say, just Mandalorians are inherently proud and warrior race. And whenever anyone is inherently proud, it comes, you know, comes a pride and that ends up being people thinking they've got the right answer, which makes the whole, this is the way thing quite ironic in a way.
1: You know, all, all I can think is that they probably had a word with the PR guys you know and said look death watch it's not it's not really (laughs) promoting the right image for us you know (laughs) i always think back to like you know the the old kind of x-men comics you had the brotherhood of evil mutants Mm. you know and and for the movies they obviously they changed it to the brotherhood and i'm like yes that's a better move that you know if you're calling yourself the brotherhood of evil mutants you you sort of telling everyone <laughs> who you are straight <laughs> off the bat. So, yeah, Death Watch, not, not a great move there. But, I mean, we we get to, like, a I, I don't know what they're called. Maybe you can help me out on this. The, there was these kind of little Star Wars cantina-type, Monsters, yes. little aliens. I,
0: what what are they called? So are they the ones um, that Cara Dune she basically beats up when they're at this, yeah yeah. So they're they're in. I don't know if you realized I, I I think you would have done, but they're in the place that the armorer was in in series one. Uh, oh right, okay. So the last time you saw that was at the end of series one, and you've got the armorer there after she talks to mando and stuff and then some uh stormtroopers go in there and then she fucks them all up basically um yeah. that it was where it seemed to be of what i could tell and basically those beings are called aqualish i'm glad you asked me because i did i did write this down um nice. they're called aqualish and the way the reason that most people would recognize them is because yeah in the cantina in a new hope um you've got dr cornelius everzan and Ponda Baba. pondababa is the aqualish who go up to luke and uh, Doctor Cornelius Evansan is the one who goes. I don't like you, and looks like okay. And he goes, and he taps him again. He goes, he doesn't like you either. It's like sorry, and then, that that thing. Well, his uh, associate is Ponda Baba, and Ponda Baba is an Aqualish as well. They're fairly common in the um, in the Star Wars universe and things. But yeah, that's that's why most people would recognise him is the the associate of Cornelius evans on who's, I'm wanted in, you know, got the death sentence on God knows seven how many systems.
1: systems. There
0: you go. <laughs> I can't remember how many it was. He's in the, he's in the Doctor Afro comics. I think it was seven.
1: I think it is. I mean, I'm impressed that you uh, you remember all the names and stuff. I, I've seen that scene so many times, Mike, and it's, you'll be dead. Um, <laughs> I just, oh, I absolutely love it. But, but- I, I couldn't have told you what the aliens were or, or certainly not what the names were. Wait, so brilliant pull there, Mike. Thank you.
0: I, I his the reason I remember his name specifically is because he's in a major arc of the Dr. Afro comics. Uh in uh. in the first of Dr. Aphra comics so at some point I will be tackling it on the standard show because I have just started, I've had the next episode of um, Stars Wars Comics and Canon the, the standard ones is going to be the Screaming Citadel crossover event between the main run of Star Wars and Dr. Afra. so if people subscribe to Comics in Motion and may pay attention on Saturdays to Star Wars Comics and Canon in a few months time I'll be going into the specific arc, which actually gives some backstory into uh, Dr. Cornelius Evazan. Got some tongue twist almost to say. Um, (laughs) And he goes on. I think at that point as well, he's actually wanted in more star systems as well. So he he keeps going on saying, I'm wanted in blah, 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 star systems. It's quite a funny little running joke there. (laughs)
1: <laughs> that's brilliant but after you know after she takes some names there we get the mandalorian and he basically limps you know uh <laughs> to meet up with grief Carga and kara and dune as well mm. and you know they kind of let him know that there's this uh you know old imperial base that's still there on the planet so they they kind of want to get rid of it and uh just rid the planet so they can become this kind of trade center in, in that sector. Mm. Now, I have to tell you, Mike, I was thinking when, when he opened up the school, because it, it's clear that, you know, Mando, he thinks, you know, it, it's, it's clear, clearly a thriving place now, isn't mm. it? You know, from when we saw it in Series 1. But when he goes to the school and you see the teacher there, my first thought was, that's triple zero, that. <laughs> I did. I think with the colours, I just saw the colouring and everything. Yes. I mean, clearly, you know, she it had a female voice and sounded very pleasant, very teacherly. Um, but the look of it, I thought, oh Christ! If that's triple zero, this is going to be a, a bloodbath. <laughs> I did for a second. I was like, wait.
0: I, I did have that moment. I was like, surely not. And then they spoke. And then I think also triple zero's got the red eyes. And I think when you first see them, you can't see it clearly, but then it zooms in a bit. And then you say it's a, it's a female voice he said white eyes and i was like i was like probably not it would be amazing if it was but um i think triple zero is still going on in the afro comics they've just started their second run so who no one really knows he could he could show up that that would be ah imagine series three or series four just having the homicide because no so many people don't have any idea who triple zero is and it's just this protocol droid with a triple zero matrix so it's basically c-3po but with the personality matrix of a homicidal killer who does nothing more than draining organics of their blood and i just think if you brought that into series three or four of, of Mandalorian, just one little episode it would ah oh, it would be incredible <laughs>
1: it would be so yeah. cool it's basically like C three PO. If C three PO was taken from the mind of Ted Bundy, yes, that's a very good way of putting it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so so I, I thought I thought it was going to be him, but uh, clearly not for for another day that one. But I mean, what what do you reckon? You have got a whole little. Uh, abuse i think i i would say you know of the force you know stealing some cookies yeah they look a lot of macarons didn't they That was quite yeah that's amazing
0: (laughs) i mean it it is also it's one of those things where when whenever a baby yoda cute part is happening a lot of the time you can see it happening like it's kind of semi-obvious but it's not any less cute it's like you look at it you go I know what he's going to do. Go on, you little chab. Go on. And it's just like, all you hope is like, Megan, when she was watching, she was like, God, I hope that kid doesn't hit him or something.
1: And it was like, yeah, I mean. I thought the same. <laughs> I thought he was going to give him a space wedgie or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that would have been. I mean, the size like differential was huge, wasn't it, between this kid and, and Baby Yoda? I mean, fair play. I was- he's got the force. I was worried that he was
0: gonna like the kid was maybe gonna smack Yoda or baby Yoda or something. I mean, and just to anyone who was listening, I know he's not called baby Yoda; he's called the child. But calling him baby Yoda is much more fun and easy to say. Yeah, so I'm gonna say that from now on. Any people who are waggling their fingers, but I did think that he was gonna like smack baby Yoda, and then baby Yoda was gonna like force choke him, and I was like, no, don't force choke. I was like, I was already preempting, don't force choke him in the di- in, it, in the kids' school, please. But they fortunately kind of went around that, and I'm very thankful they did because I don't know how to felt about that it upset me too much
1: (laughs) yeah i think i think they're really trying to push the child this series actually aren't Mm. they you know i think because baby yoda's like escaped into the pop culture yeah i think they're trying to push the child but for me it just it just doesn't have that same ring Mm. so i agree until they actually you know give it a proper name or name the species then uh it's it's baby Yoda for me
0: yeah it is going to be one of those things where there's there's rumors they may never i think they will i think it's because in legends George Lucas specifically never allowed anyone to name Yoda species which is interesting. Oh. So no one knows, but there's also people going, Oh my God, there might be a Yoda movie. It's like, no, <laughs> don't need a Yoda movie. We've got six movies. <laughs> the main ones are five of them. have got Yoda in. We, and in the in loads of episodes of Clone Wars. He's got his own mini movie in basically the Clone Wars, which is one of the last arcs of series six. Go watch that. If you want a Yoda movie, we don't, and he's going to be in the bloody high Republic as well. So I like Yoda. Don't need a Yoda movie. Okay. <laughs> Let's have some original <laughs> uh, movies that don't focus on, all the same characters and stuff. But yeah, I, I, I do know what you mean with it, where it's like, do, I don't, it's one of those things, like, I don't want to be that guy. But you know, when people go, oh yeah, I love Baby Yoda, when people, because anyone who knows me, in any amount, tells me they love Star Wars, and I have to kind of rein in, sometimes, depending on who I'm talking to. <laughs> like, I was talking to someone at, about, probably probably uh, six months ago now or something. And then, like, oh, did you watch Mandalorian? I was like, yeah, yeah, I did. And this one series one was out. And i like, yeah, I loved it. Yeah, I loved that Sith Lord at the end. And I was like, I'm not even going to tell you he's not one. I was like, I'm going to let you have that. Like, I'm not <laughs> going to be like, Will Actually, sir, that's Moff Gideon. What he's holding there is the Darksaber. Like people may not think that outside the podcast, I may talk like that to people. I do often rein in quite a lot. A Baby Yoda is one of those things. Like, people say Baby Yoda. I'm, I'm not going to be a dick and correct them about
1: it. You know, you go through the same thing as as like a comic book nerd, less so now because you've got so many movies and everything. Mm. But, you know, you used to have to kind of like – Almost jockey for position. It's mm. like, oh yeah, I love, I love, uh, Superman or something like that, or I love Batman. It's like, really? <laughs> How much? I mean, uh, are we talking, you know, Nineteen sixty-six Adam West Batman, or we're we talking uh, eighty-nine Batman, or we're we talking actual Batman from the comics, you know. Yeah, and then which <laughs> comic iteration do you specifically like? Do you like it when you know uh, when
0: Robin then became Batman when he had a year off? Did you like this version of Batman, or was it the Crisis Earth? But all these different things, I'm just throwing out <laughs> yeah. buzzwords because I'm one of the scrubs who barely knows anything about comic Batman either. So
1: there you go, <laughs> I'm one of those. But but, <laughs> but you don't claim to like him. I mean, I'm talking about you know in those kind of social situations where you're meeting someone new and like you say, you 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 initially, I think, rein it in a little bit, you yes. know, just uh try not to pick up on every little so, don't, want to, don't want to seem like <laughs> a dick to everyone who's like the
0: Star Wars. Yeah, but like, if there's anything much. less cool than being the Star Wars guy, it's that Star Wars guy who if you talk to him about Star Wars, he's a complete dick about it. It's like
1: no yeah. one needs that. <laughs> sure. And he's got his own podcast.
0: <laughs> well, that makes me sound like such an internet troll, doesn't it? No, you're wrong here, sir, but I will not even
1: discuss yeah. this with you. Go to my podcast, you'll find out, you knave. I mean, we've all become the comic book guy from The Simpsons, <laughs> Well, no, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my Lord. But anyway, getting back to the episode. So one of the names who, quite honestly, I only knew through looking up on IMDb, the little blue guy from Mm. Series 1, Episode 1, Mythrol, apparently. I had to look him up as well. Yeah, I I didn't. Now, I didn't really like his design. I didn't like his makeup and stuff to me he didn't really feel star wars he looked quite uh, he looked like a star trek alien to me you know for me star trek they they put on the makeup and everything they make him look a bit weird but he still speaks with an american accent and Mm. that's kind of the star wars uh, star trek dna whereas you know star wars the aliens always look quite you know very very different to humans um typically so i i for me i didn't really like him i was not expecting him to appear again no no when he popped up I was like, it was
0: it was a good it was on those surprises it was like oh okay and then it kind of explained why and i was like that that makes a lot of sense actually that kind of that that does work and he is a bit of a i liked him being in it because the whole time me and i were like when's he gonna run away when's he gonna betray them because he's got that sort of he's a bit shady and it, yeah. it's quite good having a character like that because you know you i think grief carga by now everyone kind of trusts him and i, I hope he doesn't then betray everyone i, but I think he's now because in the first series obviously it was that kind of back and forth of mando but he kind of he's now come out the good side and kara cynthia dune she was always that you know she's a bit of a rogue but she as in you know uh the drinker the one who doesn't want to confront their past but she is a good person um but him he was like I don't know. And he's kind of a coward. And that's, it's kind of good to have a coward in among the <laughs> badasses in a way. But he, his voice was, I, I do agree with you. Maybe not jarring, but it does, for a few moments, it kind of takes you out of it. Because as you say, you think when you've got people like, uh, in just episode three, I think it was, you know, you've got the frog people who don't speak any mm-hmm. English at all. You've got the Coran who've got the tentacle coming out of their mouth and they're talking like this. And then yeah. you've got the Mon Calamari who obviously, Ed was the famous one and they all talk on a specific, they've got their own things but he just sounded like like i looked him up and i I couldn't remember who the actor was but i was like i, was like, I swear i know him and i looked it up and i didn't really know the actor and i was like oh he just sounds like every slightly douchey side character in a comedy film
1: you know who he is who? And, and i know he's not but for me this is rob schneider <laughs> <laughs> that, which, that which is iteration? basically his role which you did, know in something like the gigolo was or say Deuce was Judge going <laughs> <laughs> or juice bigolo not, not 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 the gigolo yeah uh judge dread when he was opposite sliced alone he's got that kind of uh, those occasional little lines of course mm. when he sees mando initially you know he he kind of lets release a kind of throat <laughs> fart or something doesn't he you know and, well, that's
0: and- that's a throwback i think because once again i i don't know this amount of information about this character because i had to look him up as well because i was like i don't recognize that species i'll see if he's connected to anything else but from what i can tell it was created for at least the canon for this um mm-hmm. but he what they did actually is in episode ah i think it's episode eight or nine there was in the background there was a character who basically had almost the exact same makeup and so they've now canonized them both being the same species um but in series one of mando he says something like uh he's going to go to the when he goes to the, the toilet or whatever or he mentions oh, he says yeah, you don't yeah, want yeah. to be around a mithril when they ble- shoot out their thorax some, it was some sort of line like that and i think that's what that yeah. was meant to be
1: Yeah, yeah. I'd forgotten about that. You're right. But now you've said it, I I do actually remember that line. But yeah, I do think he has some, you know, funny little lines, but he is very Rob Schneider. Yes. What I did like, though, is, again, I just think the writers have got it correct, that one of the things that I love about this Star Wars is it just looks so... Uh, like that original trilogy, mm. like all the instrument dials and everything, it, it looks like that original seventy seven design. Mm. And uh, but the thing is it is not the safest place to be is it the star wars universe <laughs> no you look you've got these tiny little thin walkways <laughs> where, you know one foot wrong and you are careering off to your death and uh he actually says when they're trying to get him to walk around and and uh you know ramp up the uh, the generator to to make it overload he's like yeah there's no guardrail on this (laughs) (laughs) and i'm like yes yes the empire did not have guardrails they must have lost so many imperial guards and stormtroopers to just like putting that foot wrong and just careering off into a pit of lava (laughs) well it's like i think in um it makes me think of the i
0: haven't seen the robot chicken star wars unfortunately and i need to um, but i've seen the family guy star wars um episodes and in Blue Harvest, um, which Mm -hmm. is one of the new hope. And fun fact, it's called Blue Harvest, Family Guy Blue Harvest, because in production, Star Wars' codename was Blue Harvest. So people didn't know what it was. There you go. Um, So with that there's in that bit, the, the Death Star shoots and stuff. And it's got the two, because you see like a scene for like a second or so, a shot um, in A New Hope of the two people standing at the control panel when the, the giant laser shoots past them and they haven't got a guardrail. And it just makes me think of in Blue Harvest, when he goes, oh God, there's no guardrail here. And it's like, <laughs> it, it's so funny to see that, yeah, them kind of, I think the Mandalorian, what they do cleverly is, is I think, I uh, mean, Scott or more so Scott spoke about this when we did the, the big Mandalorian collaboration last year. And it was, Star Wars, especially the original trilogy, do humour really, really well. Not just, yeah. Oh, that is funny. You know, someone trips on a banana peel and falls in the red. You know, that's slaps a key. But it's it's the quips, it's the clever little subtle things that it's not laugh out loud funny all the time, but it makes you chuckle. And I think he did that quite well in exactly the part that you say, where the, sometimes you sometimes you look at that, and go, well, and everyone in the universe is almost like you almost need that kind of every man, don't you? In in a lot of shows, like with the boys, it started off with uh, Huey and things. You've just got got all (laughs) these people who know what they're doing. And then when some crazy shit happens, they go, what's that? What's happening? And it's like, why is this crazy weird thing? And everyone else is like, oh, that's just normal, mate. What's, what's going on? (laughs) It's like, he he brought that, I think. And I think he did, uh, he did bring that quite well. And as I said, I do like him being a coward because as much as I love Mandalorian being badass, I, I like him as a character and he is growing. He does need this ensemble cast doesn't he because he is two-dimensional in a sense he's slowly becoming 3d and he's a badass but he's like john wick in a way like he's just really 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 cool and there's not a huge amount else to him as of yet and he needs these other characters
1: to kind of balance him out and stuff and i think um the mithril did it very well i don't know if you've ever seen the the old kind of clint eastwood Westerns, the spaghetti the Westerns, spaghetti Westerns. I've seen the Good, and Mad, and the Ugly a while ago yep.
0: in bits and pieces,
1: but yeah, I, I know bits and pieces about it. I think it was it was Chris who said, you know, he's Mandalorian. Uh, even the way he talks is a little bit Clint Eastwood, mm. and he's just he's like that. He's just too cool isn't he you know he's got yes. everything under control at all times so yeah i agree i like this little kind of ensemble cast that, that they're building up there um i have to say my favorite bit from that blue harvest family guy thing is uh when r2d2 and c3po escape mm. the death death destroyer and uh, uh, star destroyer sorry and uh get get along to tatooine mm. and then they say oh let's Let's shoot that. And then some other guy's like, no, 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 it's it's fine. It's just uh, it's just gone off by mistake. And then it's like, what are we paying by the laser now? <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that bit as well.
0: And I'll tell you what, I think genuinely, there's, there's the book, a certain point of view, which is the 40 short stories from different characters uh, in uh, A New Hope and things. It's not the most consistent book and there's a slog in the middle of the canteen that goes on forever. But there is a bit about that character, I think, who specifically didn't shoot that. Laser. <laughs> right, okay. This is what I mean about Star Wars. Is I half the time when Star Wars gets released, I think it's people who write some of the stories just hear criticisms from other places and then use that to to cover up a plot hole. Because obviously, Rogue One, one of the coolest oh, Star Wars yep. films, that is literally made because they are like how is it that the, this amazing superstar Destroyer, this gigantic Death Star thing, massive space station, got blown up by a couple of things? That seems like an oversight for someone as tactful as the Empire, you know, and things. And you go, oh, we have to have a whole film to explain it. But I do think oh, that that's, like... That's because Mads Mikkelsen. Put it in there. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Good old Galen Erto. And it is, is one of those things where Star Wars has, especially the old ones, do have plot holes. I think what they're doing with a lot of content now, including a certain point of view books, because they just released one for Empire Strikes Back, is they... Subtly try and like cover up and give explanations to these little things. I think it was something like the Empire have got so many pointless and unnecessary orders and uh, rules and regulations that if you fire at an escape pod with no organisms in it, then you have to write a report about it. It's something really monotonous (laughs) like that. And he was like, "I can't be asked for the report."
1: And it's like, "Did you really need to add that in? Was that (laughs) really?" (laughs) it's like solo isn't it i mean that's just to explain why you can do the kessel run in what was it 12 parsecs or whatever it is
0: exactly (laughs) because george lucas got parsec he thought it was time when it's actually a unit of
1: distance and then a unit of distance (laughs) yeah yeah but but speaking of things that i see i think this series might knit together things from the movies as well Mm -hmm. so you know how we we've said and and we poke fun a little bit at times that because you've read all the comics, there's all of these plot holes that are covered <laughs> that aren't explained in the, in the actual movies, but yeah. they're covered, you know, somewhere else. It but makes you sound the like the Mandalorians a trying to do that. So what do you reckon about that when they take over the Imperial base? So they, they overload the reactor and then they um, discover it's not actually like just a military base. It's a lab. Mm. And they sort of see, I couldn't really make out what this this figure was, but it looked like it wasn't alive. It, it was kind of jellified or, mm. or what have you. And, and then they get the little recording as well, don't they? And mm-hmm. I don't know if you picked up on this, but they mentioned the M count. Yes, I did. You did. And I thought, oh, gee, brilliant. Again, they know if they say Medichlorians, <laughs> it's going to piss off so many people. So we're just going to make a little tweak we're gonna you know we'll just call it the m count and then people who are really listening will know <laughs> what we're talking about but those but probably those people are not the same people who will be triggered by medichlorians
0: yeah I mean I, I did get that and I will just say as well was one thing I don't think anyone who listens to the show is especially uh, toxic I make little jokes about people wagging wr- wr- their fingers but all the community who listen to the show I've had nothing but uh, lovely messages and things so thanks guys but there are a lot of people who I've had one interaction with someone on Instagram who was quite argumentative about oh things. I remember that one yeah yep. that was a fun day um <laughs> scathing over that people like to basically shit on the disney sequel trilogy a lot and i'm going to be in comics on trial coming out in <laughs> a couple weeks time but um <laughs> that's not the only reason i said that um people go on oh george lucas he would have made such a better sequel trilogy rah, rah, rah. and it's like i do not think that is true um i really like the prequels i do not think george lucas is making a better uh, sequel trilogy but one big thing that george lucas has explicitly said a lot of times is that he was going to go into more detail about the science and the midichlorians that but a big part of his plot for the sequel trilogy was going to be going even further into the midi stuff. So I just want to flag that up just to say, Hey guys, <laughs> hold, hold back the gunfire of that sort of uh, hating the sequel trilogy because George Lucas made a better one, because that was one of the big problems with the prequels. But as you say, I I, I love the fact that they're having enough connections to the prequels as you say like stitch it together they're having enough connections and they're ve- they're being very clever with their language and they're being very specific to not say anything <laughs> like i'd love someone to say that they love sand or something that would just do me that would, that would just <laughs> that would crack me up there is a comic where luke actually i think i took a photo of it, put it on twitter or something ages ago there is a comic where luke uh he goes on this adventure of some sort in the comics and he comes to this planet and there's sand and actually I think it's the new run of Star Wars comics by Charles Hall, and he goes, oh man, I love sand, so reliable, or something like that, just this little throwaway line about Luke loving
1: sand. And I just want to throw that in there, because that made me giggle. You know, but- you know what, just a side thing, I, I've just had a flashback then, and I don't think it was from this episode. I think it's, I'm getting a bit Rebels blind, because I've watched <laughs> so many in the last week. But I, I actually think Zeb who's who's like one of the crew hmm. i think at some point he said wizard i think he might do yeah i'm i'm pretty sure because it, it's one of those where my ears just pricked up and i'm like oh there, there's no real reason for you to put that in <laughs> other than for it to be a little nod to say okay what well, it, it is a bit of a, a um sort of throwaway slang term you know that that it's not just a young anakin skywalker used
0: Mm. Also, I would just say we've got messages from um, from uh, Scott as well. So we've got questions at the end. He's got, he sent us two.
1: That's right. cool. So yeah. so well, let's let's just ask you then. So, mm. what do you think these experiments might be? It, 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 you know, what what do you think that's potentially going to lead to? Well, that's really good because both of Scott's questions are specifically about them. <laughs> Listen, awesome. <laughs> Seamless. Together.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you did that magically with your brain, with, with the force. You've got a high M count. Um, so <laughs> well, I'll start with um, basically because there's a two aspects. There's right at the end, you see the clone troopers, and then you see. but before that, you see the things in the, the sort of tanks and stuff. So I'll say the tanks one first, and then we'll kind of plod to the end. Um, mm-hmm. So Scott asked, do we think that the cloning pods are linked to Snoke? And I do not believe so i'm not dispute because cloning technology basically what it seems like they're trying to do is they're trying to create some sort of controllable force sensitive being that's obviously what they're vaguely trying to do but this is obviously post return of the jedi so this is uh the question is basically is do people think that moff gideon and his imperial remnant are connected to what palpatine gets up to in the rise of skywalker I hope not. And I don't think so because essentially what it seems to be is Gideon's Imperial Remnant is his own thing. And the guy, uh, doctor, I wrote his name down cause I didn't get it the first time. Dr. Pershing, which is the guy with the glasses who's in mm-hmm. series one and then his face pick with the uh, M count, Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty certain that people spotted a badge of some sort on his arm or whatever, which was uh, some logo to do with the Kaminoans, Kaminoan cloners from the prequels who made the clone army. So what it seems to be is they're trying to create clones that are force sensitive. And in all those jars, I think, were f- failed attempts at them. But when I saw, when I was watching it and I saw those things in those tanks and whatever, I, I was trying to get a better look at it like you uh, were as well, where you, you kind of try to focus folk- focus in and go what the hell are those things and i think they intentionally kind of leave them um so i i I don't i don't know what specifically they are i think it is just going to be yeah trying to get force sensitive soldiers in a sense and i can delve slightly more into that in a second but
1: (laughs) is there anything else you would ask me prior to that well so i mean i think i'm with scott and and Mm -hmm. that's a little bit of a leading question i think this might have some kind of connection to Snoke Mm -hmm. because let's face it, right? what was the fucking point of him (laughs) in that that sequel trilogy? I need closure. I need to know that there was some kind of point in that. Mm. And, you know, from a couple of weeks ago, you'd mentioned that clones, you know, they age a lot quicker because you want to grow up this army or whatever Mm. it is you're trying to do. So you need them to grow up a lot faster. I think this is about 20 or so years before Force Awakens, isn't it? Yes, yeah. So, I mean... When we see Snoke, he's obviously had a hard life if he's only 20. <laughs> but, you know, I, I, when I saw it, and you know, I was thinking cloning technology as well. And I think, I, have they actually confirmed that Snoke was like a failed uh, Emperor clone or something like that? I, yeah, I, uh, kind of not.
0: They have, they've not given explicit information Um Really, this is one of the points I'm going to make in Comics and Trial when I argue with Tony. Um, so fingers crossed he hasn't <laughs> quite up to Mandalorian yet because I've thrown one of my points. Um, but essentially, one of the things that pissed me off about Rise of Skywalker was the fact they just kind of give all these major plot points and just kind of brush them aside and don't really talk about them and then you have to read the fucking book to make any sense. Palpatine was making... From what we can tell, because it's a bit vague in the book, and I haven't read the book either, so sorry, guys. <laughs> so it's a lot of secondary information and me reading other information. But basically, Palpatine was making clones, clone bodies of himself. I'm not sure if how for how long he was doing that before episode six, but he was trying to make clones of himself. I believe the largest theory is that, yes, he he managed to get his energy, body, consciousness, whatever. He got his consciousness into the basically fucked up one you see in uh, Rise of Skywalker, basically decaying and stuff. And he was trying to make one that would sustain his life force better. Snoke, I'm pretty sure, is basically, yeah, like a failed Palpatine clone, but it didn't have it w- it wasn't like a body that Palpatine could like transfer his essence into. It had its own consciousness and that's kind of what made Snoke. And from what I can tell of the very little bits of information we have, Snoke was not aware of Palpatine. So he was, this, this is what I mean. It's so fucking vague. That's why the episode nine annoys me a lot <laughs> is that it's kind of like Heath. We generally in layman's terms too long didn't read is Yes, Snoke was basically a failed Palpatine clone that had his unconsciousness and dark side abilities and therefore that that is what it was. I don't know. This is the part where it gets a bit hazy because in the Aftermath books, which is where Cobb Vanth originated from, might I add, um, the Aftermath books, it's a big story, it's amazing and I love it, but what, it basically ends with uh, parts of the Empire fleeing off into the unknown regions of space, not to be heard of again. And people thought they just retreated and disappeared and died for some reason. But uh, they went off with this new training program, which becomes the First Order training program, and little bits of other information I'm not going to go into. But what the general idea is that what people think is that a fair clump of what was remaining of the Empire disappeared and hid into the Unknown Regions, potentially to Exegol or whatever, and kind of liaise with Palpatine. And then the the weirdness comes from, did that same part that created the first order did they already know did the first order we see directly commune with palpatine and that became the first order intentionally or was it snoke and no one knew about palpatine or did everyone know about palpatine and snoke but snoke didn't know this is where it gets really mm-hmm. complicated and messy uh, so i've given you almost no answer here so <laughs> it could be for what we know however my opinion is that moff gideon is the boss of um, of his Imperial Remnant. I don't think mm-hmm. that he is uh, trying to get back with Palpatine or he's trying necessarily to help revive Palpatine or anything like that. I think he's basically just still trying to keep the Empire going. All the leaders of the Empire have basically p- pissed off to the Unknown Regions and they're just kind of left scrambling. And I think he's one of the people who stood up to the plate and is now trying to recreate his own empire probably thinking well the emperor i don't know how much the general empire knew about the palpatine being force sensitive but everyone knew that vader was scary and was had a lightsaber so people assume he's Mm -hmm. force sensitive and obviously choked a lot of people so he probably from what i gather is gideon is kind of trying to make maybe a new vader or a new legion of similar ish to vaders to help him enforce the will of the empire in case they come across other force sensitives I. That's my general theory on that matter specifically. Well, it sounds sounds plausible. I it, think it's too vague to. I want to clarify. So but my, my theory <laughs> is a theory. I'm not. This isn't Mike the Styles. guy telling you for for fact. It is definitely not that way. I want to clarify. The Snoke stuff is quite vague. So
1: yeah. So I, I think you've got one. One. Uh, yes, we think it might be about Snoke, and one. No, it's probably not. <laughs>
0: maybe yeah who knows
1: what, what what's the second bit um uh,
0: the question um that scott the second part of what scott asked was basically just um are they trying to make force troopers has there has this been done before in stories um i had to look this up because this is to do with legends material so i i am not as adverse with legends um but i think they're called dark troopers essentially um not to be confused with Death Troopers. So, Death Troopers are the ones that you see in Rogue One that are all black and have the the things that make their voices all sound weird. Dark Troopers were essentially Dark Side Stormtroopers. In Legends, from what I can recall, because I did make a few notes on this, it is some iterations were they were kind of droid and mechanic, and also had some imbument of the Dark Side, and others were like experimentations who were Force sensitive dark side using troopers um but they in legends they are in a few bits and pieces but i i to my knowledge there's no huge massive storyline about force sensitive specifically stormtroopers in the canon there's almost nothing there's like in the jedi fallen order game there's like purge troopers then in star wars rebels there's the inquisitors um but there's not dark side stormtroopers in the canon specifically and that's what at the end when you saw that kind of shot of black Stormtrooper armor being connected up to things. And the reason people think it's Dark Troopers specifically is because in the audio descriptive thing that you can do for Disney+, Plus, the audio description says uh, it's a room with Dark Troopers in. But to clarify, people may say either it's describing how their armor looks, which is dark colored Mm -hmm. Stormtroopers, or is it Disney subtly for some reason in audio descriptive giving hints about dark troopers so maybe it's probably going to be as i kind of said probably moff gideon's trying to create some sort of force sensitive stormtroopers in some way probably similar to how he perceived darth vader the cloning technology is probably part and parcel with that i wouldn't be surprised if they're trying to you know in some way either trying to inject people with the blood of a force sensitive to make them force sensitive which i don't think works uh, to my knowledge in canon and then or they're just trying to create completely new clones who are darksiders who are going to be stormtroopers, but I hope they do like not, not to be mean, but I hope they succeed. Cause that would be a really, really cool thing to have in the cannon.
1: <laughs> and I think the, the thing I found fascinating about it is the fact that they were all in their own little pods, mm. you know? So you'd think w- we haven't seen stormtroopers say, un- unless they're in transport carrier or something like that. We haven't seen stormtroopers like that. No. These are almost like the Borg from star Trek. You know, they. It's what makes me wonder: Are they actually, you know, rather than being clones, are they are they actually some kind of droids? Mm. Uh, That wouldn't connect at all to the whole experiments on, uh, you know, force sensitive people or what have you. But uh, yeah, just just the way they were there completely still it looked great yes. <laughs> you know as a, as a closing shot you're like oh it's all hotting up now <laughs> you know because a lot of this episode it was all it was connecting a lot of the dots from previous you know right back to season one episode one yes. um and i think you know, obviously uh moth gideon he's he's the big bad isn't he so he's, he's like the thanos he's always there in the background he's almost dressed up like darth vader isn't he yeah yeah exactly. and so uh yeah I, I wasn't sure if this was a a clear nod to something else that had come before or it sounds like this this could be something new
0: yeah it, i i think it's going to be something i mean as i say in legends to my knowledge it, they weren't Tackled a huge, huge amount anyway. So even in in all of it that they're doing. But there are there are quite a few little nods to Legend stuff. As I say, I don't generally tackle much Legend stuff in um the show because it gets too confusing when things become canon. But the Crate Dragon, um, that is a yeah. hugely massive thing in Legends. In the Knights of the Old Republic games, I'm pretty certain it's like one of the big main quests. So when you beat the Crate Dragon, you get the Pearl, which is what the Tuscan Raiders picked up and were all happy about. It's like so they are, John Favreau, once again, he's doing, connecting to Legends stuff. And that's, as we said right near the start, they're, they're trying to appease so many people. But there's there's the new Star Wars fans. There's the sequel haters. There's the prequel haters. There's the prequel lovers. The sequel lovers. The people who think that Legends is the only way to go. And so that you can't, anything that changes anything about the Legends material is completely wrong. You've got people who only seen the films. You've got people who've barely seen the films. You, there's so many different Star Wars fans. Whereas, you know, when you go to like Marvel, for example, Cinematic Universe, it's basically th- almost three camps, isn't it? It's movies only, vague peripheral knowledge of other stuff, like a few series and a few games, and then massively into the comics. So is a, mm-hmm. you can really appease all three of them at once in a lot of ways. But with Star Wars, it, it is such a mess. But yeah, the I'm very, very excited. I thought this episode, I think, I don't know if it was my favorite or not. It, it's kind of hard um it's hard to choose a favorite i think personally the first one might still be my favorite but yeah i just love timothy oliphant and anything (laughs) so him being combat just made my day (laughs) Uh, and humanizing the the tuscan raiders a bit and the crate dragon was really cool when it was just like i don't know i I, i've loved every episode so far i would probably say episode two might be the weakest but i do not think it's weak by any stretch it's just it's got the least amount of of plot in a sense it's kind of a filler episode but I I loved episode four. I love where they're going. I, I want them to keep pushing the button and trying out new things and kind of, I don't want them to necessarily worry about appeasing everyone, but they're doing such a good job of it. I, I'm just very hopeful. My only other thing I'll say is that I love the Mandalorian, but I hope there's only like four or five seasons only on like, if not, maybe only three, I'd, I'd rather it's like four or five. But what I don't want to happen is for the Mandalorian to be searching for Yoda, baby Yoda's family for like years and years and years and years and years. Like I, I don't <laughs> want them to, as much as I love the Mandalorian, I don't want them to, I hate the term, but like drag it out. If you know what I mean? But I yeah. from what I can tell, I don't think they're going to do that.
1: No. And I, I hope what they don't do as well, there seems to be all this noise and clambering for, everyone all of these characters have their own spin-off shows Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's like well let's just enjoy them in this one spin-off show i think to me what this series is proving is the fact that you can do a lot you know with a live action property in the star wars universe that's got nothing to do with the skywalkers or you know there's nods back to the skywalker saga but you know, it, it's a separate story in this rich universe. I think that's why it's it's proven. Uh, and you mentioned about the the comics as well. And I think, you know, because I guess this happens a lot more in comics, I think we're a bit more desensitized to reboots. Mm. You know, so because things get so complicated and, you know, you've got these different writers and there's not necessarily an architect, you know, taking care of all the continuity and what have you you know dc have done it more just because they've been around for longer but you know in the 80s you had the whole crisis on infinite earths where they basically had to consolidate everything simplify everything because writers were tying themselves up in knots you know trying to keep things consistent Mm. with all these you know disparate kind of stories and what have you, and conflicting stories. So to me, to, to just say, okay, Legends, a bit too complicated. You know, it's not consistent at all. We're, we're going to absolutely say this is the canon. Mm-hmm. But since doing that, I, honestly, I, I, I don't know if I'm in the minority or not, but it feels to me, apart from the movies, that Disney have actually done a pretty good job. I agree with you as someone who is especially over since doing the podcast,
0: especially I've been much more of a canon junkie and that there are the amount of inconsistencies are so slim. And so they're not anything like, uh, like storyline breaking or anything like that. There's one, which is like in, in the clone wars, there's a confrontation between Ahsoka and Maul. And in that her lightsabers are blue, but there's a book which came out before all that, which she has a flashback to that scene, essentially, and her lightsabers mm-hmm. are, are mentioned to be green in that because there's a reason she changed them to be blue in uh, The Clone Wars. And when this book came out, it was before they thought that the new Clone Wars would get made, so they were using old Clone Wars scripts to make new content to kind of mm-hmm. you know fill in the gaps that people would lost out on. It's things like that where, like... Really, if you're going to get up in arms about Ahsoka's lightsabers being slightly different colours, like just have your own headcanon. Like, if you want them to be green when she fought ball, okay, have them green. If you want them to be blue, have them blue. It doesn't, yeah. it doesn't break the whole Star Wars universe. The hue, the hue of a lightsaber, and it's as you say. Like, I think they've done a genuinely. Smashing job. I, th- I think that, and with there's new projects on the horizon that I'm going to be speaking about more so in the new year with the High Republic, which is set 200 years before Phantom Menace. And there's, when these have all been out for a little while, I imagine there's going to be movies or series that are going to kind of delve into the High Republic. But what I'm very excited about is, as you say, this has shown that live action, there's still a thirst for live action Star Wars that doesn't have to be to do with the Skywalker saga. And I don't want them to touch the Skywalker saga anymore, really, apart from. You know, the Kenobi series is coming out, and the Cassie Nandor series is coming out. Like, those sort of things. But, like, there's too much baggage with the Skywalker saga at the moment. There's too many people whose childhoods, they quote, get ruined by the prequels. And then too many people who quote that their childhoods of the prequels and the originals got ruined by the sequels. It's like, when you can just go, hey, look, Mandalorian, nothing. Luke Skywalker's not going to show up. This isn't going to show up. It's just... (laughs) And a storyline that vaguely ticks and connects to things that were in the animated series, then you've got gold because you haven't got people complaining about Luke Skywalker not being the way they wanted him to be or Luke, or Darth Vader as Anakin being a whiny little bitch. Like you don't have decades and decades of baggage to go along with it. You've just kind of got the positive nostalgia and that's what mm-hmm. I think they've just done. Yeah, I, I, I love The Mandalorian and I'm so happy that it's getting... Uh, a renaissance for so many star wars fans who t- honestly i understand why a lot of people have lost faith because the sequel trilogy wasn't what everyone wanted it to be so i i appreciate that the Mandalorian has reinvigorated so many people's love of it and speaking to people like you and obviously scott and dave and things and just hearing other people getting excited for star wars it makes me really excited and doing this sort of show and things and you guys doing your the weekly mandalorian show which obviously i'll be on again at the end I'm it's just exciting to, to to hear you guys talk about it. And on Mondays or Tuesdays, I do get very, very excited. Whereas I, I get to see what Chris and Dave or uh, Chris and Scott <laughs> have been talking about. What, what are their thoughts on The Mandalorian? Like, I, I love hearing about it. So I, it's just a lot of fun for me as well. And I'm glad it's fun for so many other people too.
1: Yeah, it is, its it's been absolutely brilliant. And and as well, I've talked about the the little nods to other sci-fi um properties that you know they do like tremors like alien um i actually think they did a, a like self homage as well mm-hmm. so when when they they're trying to escape in the transport mm-hmm. which again very reminiscent of rebels the transports that we see in rebels just <laughs> putting it out there um you know you think it's all done for and then at the last minute the last second mando turns up you know, he kicks the ass of all the the Tie Fighters. For me, that was very reminiscent of when Han Solo, you know, saves the yes. day in uh, in A New Hope, and it, you're just waiting for Mando to say, "You're all clear, kid. Now let's <laughs> blow this thing and go home." <laughs> I, I agree completely. I think he does actually like woo. I, I think. Um, oh, really? He gives t- a proper you <laughs>
0: <laughs> Maybe not quite that extravagant, but I th- I feel like he makes some sort of noise that is more than just the standard sort of the mando only saying what he needs to say i think he does like make a wahoo uh you i don't think he quite goes
1: yippee (laughs) but i think he's he's so cool though isn't he probably yeah the most you'd get out of nando is like nice (laughs) 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 and that's how i describe this chat with you dave
0: Nice. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> but, but I mean, it's not all plain sailing, is it? Because they've, they put the tracker beacon on there. Mm-hmm. So old, uh, Moth Gideon, he knows where he's going. He knows that he's still got the asset, you know, he's still got the child or do you and I, baby Yoda. So, Yep, it's all building up, and like I say, old Dave Filoni is going to be uh, writing and directing. This is the first one that he's he's written this series next week. So honestly, Mike, I can't wait, mate. I'm, as like
0: they said, Ahsoka tano in obviously episode episode three of the season slash uh, chapter 11 and like i love star wars obviously but megan also loves star wars she's been proper getting into it and ahsoka are, are both of our two of both of our favorite characters they're you know i don't know how i'm even right at the end i've managed to trip over all my words both me <laughs> love ahsoka she is one of our favorite characters for both of us and literally when ahsoka's name was so- spoken Megan literally visibly jumped up, like she sat down, like in a reclining sofa chair. <laughs> literally jumped when, huh? like, like jolted in excitement at the screen, and that that cracked me up being there because obviously I unfortunately <laughs> kind of knew she was going to be in it at some point, so it wasn't much of a surprise to me. But uh, because it's written and directed by Dave Filoni, and he basically created Ahsoka along with George Lucas, and you know she's, th- he says he she's basically the main character in the Clone War series, and. Because it's been confirmed in Mandalorian, I didn't say it very frequently, but she does show up again in Rebels. Um, I didn't normally like to say that because it is kind of a spoiler to what happens in Clone Wars. You don't know, you know, oh, how does she, does she go on? But obviously what now her name's in Mandalorian and it's set after Rebels, I can say Ahsoka's in Rebels too. She's such a central character to the Clone Wars and then she's important in the animated series. So it's, it's very interesting and exciting to have a live action uh, an animated character come into live action because the only time to my knowledge that's happened before obviously bo got that but Saw Guerrero. Saw Guerrero was actually in animated before um in the keys in the Clone Wars so it's quite exciting to see just I, I, I just love it you know all the things connecting. We, sorry which ones he or she? Saw Gerrera is in Rogue One played by Forrest Whitaker.
1: Oh yeah, yeah yeah oh he's he's great in rebels as it well I tell you. <laughs> oh he's so good and, and and it's his voice as well isn't it, it? Is. for Whitaker? with yes. it's so unmistakable and it's great to see him kind of before you know obviously what happens in rogue one but uh but also his oh, progression yeah. to no, that no, because
0: he's in clone wars in one episode but when he was creating clone wars that was before rogue one was even on the table because the first few seasons of rogue of clone wars was out before disney the new canon um so they did uh i think i can't what season it is but it's it's a really good arc but in rebels when you see him he has this hologram thing you see of his sister and that hologram is the character model slightly upgraded but that is the character Mm -hmm. model of the same sister that he has in clone wars so they connect the dots so well there but he doesn't look the same in clone wars as he did, but obviously in Clone Wars, he was like quite young and it, it mm-hmm. wasn't voiced by Forrest Whitaker, but then as he ages, and as you say in Rebels, they do kind of put him in there. But yeah, if anyone watches Clone Wars, you get to see Saw Gerrera pop up at some point. So it's quite, it's always, it's just fun. It makes you, as you are kind of experiencing Dave, when you watch, uh, especially the animated series, you just, all these little connections, it just gets you giddy. It's just like, oh cool. Oh, he's in it. Oh my God. Oh, I know that bit. And you can recognize little bits like Chopper is in Rogue One. Fun fact he sees on screen for literally like half a second
1: <laughs> oh you know what i'm gonna have to I, I was thinking of it anyway that i need to go back and watch rogue one because of the kind of sequels mm-hmm. i think that's probably my favorite i did yeah. like Force awakens but those two I think rogue for one for a, just a standalone was fantastic but i tell you what chopper's my favorite i think <laughs> uh, although i do do like ab is it ab5 ap5 but yeah ap5 yeah he, he's just brilliant he sneering is. kind of alan rickman c3po is just absolutely brilliant have, so have you, yeah
0: have you seen where ap5 uh, last thing have you seen where he um there's an episode where he gets some time by himself in space is yeah. did you see yeah, that bit yeah. that that is one of my favorite scenes in all of rebels where he's by himself and he's like oh my god and he thinks he's like oh my god what am i gonna do and then he's like wait a minute it's peace I'm quiet he's like yeah this is lovely this is amazing i'm what is this feeling i get this is joy oh my god i understand now and he's like so happy and they like the ghost guy mix him up and he's like no what are you doing yeah.
1: <laughs> that's one of my you know what my favorite moments ap5 could quite happily sit in a in a red dwarf episode i think yes oh that would be the <laughs> dream crossover i'd love that Just chopper and AP five, just tearing around (laughs)
0: the red dwarf, just causing havoc. (laughs) They're fighting with the um, oh, what are the little the 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 little droid hand things in uh, red dwarf? The scootery, what they called? Oh, the scutters, scutters. That's the one. Yeah, (laughs) interacting (laughs) with chopper and oh, oh, or even Crichton. I I mean, mean, I can imagine
1: they creating a mess, and and (laughs) Crichton would have a really hard time, so cleaning up after them don't get
0: <laughs> chopper at all it would be
1: yeah. Oh the dream. Maybe Oh day. Mike, it's been a long one tonight, so I think we should wrap up. So yes. where can everyone get ya? Social media at Genuine Chit Chat.
0: I'm on Twitter, Instagram and on Facebook. I post um pictures from the Star Wars, uh some of the Star Wars comics and stuff as well. Um I post normally the covers and the title crawl and then maybe the odd photo from the inside of them i also obviously my other podcast genuine chit chat which i have different person on each episode and things and a lot of them recently have been very nerdy so make sure you check that out and yeah anything for star wars comics and canon you can either follow
1: genuine chit chat or where else can you follow dave (laughs) so you can get us at comics in motion p on twitter or Instagram. You obviously, if you're listening to this, you know how to get us on the podcast. Uh, so Comics in Motion, you get all kinds of different shows. Uh, this is just one of many. And uh, no, Mike, it's been absolutely brilliant to wax lyrical a bit about Star Wars. I think we've gone for an hour and 20. I could have quite happily gone for two or three hours Same. discussing <laughs> this one. <laughs> so, we'll uh, save that for the finale. <laughs> yeah. So all I'll finish off with, I'll say, may the force be with you. Now let's blow this thing and go home. (laughs)